that you would make sure we know it, that even the words that I would speak would not get in the way of that, but that your spirit would speak directly into each and every one of our hearts. And I ask it in your name. Amen. Um, we're going to start a series over the next number of weeks around a book in the scriptures in Matthew, Matthew 7. We've done a series several months ago around the whole Sermon on the Mount. Um, and this will kind of follow on from that. <coughs> Excuse me. Next week we have um, Kim Messingale, I can never pronounce her name properly, um, with us from Summit um, Church in Pennsylvania, in Indiana, Pennsylvania. And her daughter is actually, the two of them arrive on Thursday. Um, the daughter, Abby, is going to be here with us for a month. Kim will be here for a week. Um, and she's going to preach next Sunday as well. And some of church have been really good to us over the last two years. Uh, they had a team here September two years ago, and they have been supporting the church here since then, financially even. And they have another team coming in this September. So um, when you see her, say hello. Say, be nice to her. Um, but she's a nice woman, and she'll bring a really good message. So, but she's going to follow on in this series as well from where we're going for today. And, and when I was several weeks ago... Um, I was thinking and, and, and praying, I suppose, about what, where do we go as, as a church? How do, we, how do we move forward from where we're at? I think God's done tremendous stuff in so many of our lives, even since Christmas. When I look at where many of us were at Christmas time, um, and moving into January, into the forward, going on then into the alpha, and, and just seeing God moving in so many lives and changing things, for so many people, including, including me. It's, it's changed a huge amount in me. Um, that where we go from here, I think is really important, launching into the second half of the year. This is July, so we're like, we're nearer Christmas now than we were. You know, kind of <laughs> we're nearer the next Christmas than the last one, right? <laughs> so we're just going to get ready for the carol service next week. Anybody who wants to be part of us, you can come along. We're taking auditions. Um, no, seriously, but, but like, isn't the year is just going to go so fast? I'm going to tell you something, that's just not this year, that's life. It's flying by, and it's not going to get any slower. And I think what we have left, it's so important that what we do with what we have left, it's so important. And to do it right, I think we need to have the right foundations. Um, and there's a very famous building called the Leaning Tower of where? Pisa. Pisa. I used to always say pizza, right? But it's actually spelled P-I-S-A. So I got a little bit of history about this place because I knew it was, it was falling over, but I didn't know the whole deal about it. But it was started in 1174 by a guy called Pisano, okay? Um, and here's the thing. When they built it, they got three floors up and it started to tilt. So they got in and they tried to shore up underneath in the foundations and they did whatever they did with it. And then they left it for nearly 90 years, 90 years before they went back and started building the rest of it. Okay? I sound like I know what I'm talking about, but I looked all this up. Okay? Um, I'm not really a history buff. But here's the thing. As they built it, and if you look on that, you'll see this. They actually began to build it slightly different. They built one side of the floors taller than the other side to try and make it look straighter. If you look at it, they changed how they built it. 
so that they would try and straighten it up. But it's still falling over. They've done a ton of work on it in the last couple of years. They put loads of lead weights on one side and they've tried to pull it back. They reckon it will last another couple of hundred years, but someday it's going to fall over. And the reason it's going to fall over is not because the tower wasn't built well. Actually, it was ingenious when you think of how long ago it was, how well they built it. But the reason it will fall over is because the foundation underneath it isn't good. It's what it's built on. It's not what was built. And I think one of the reasons I wanted to use that other video with the guy and the gospel and all that, he's cool, isn't he? I wish it could be that cool, but it's long past be, my be cool age. But um, he's talking in all of that about what foundation we build life on in the whole video. Um, and Jesus told the story about foundations in Matthew 7. And I just want to read it for you. If you have a Bible, you can have a look. It's in 7, 24 to 27. And it's the wise and foolish builders is kind of the heading for it. But it says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it didn't fall. Because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice... It's like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew. And they beat against that house. And it fell with a great crash. See, he's talking here about these words of mine. So he's referring back to all the stuff he's been talking about in Matthew and the Sermon on the Mount and all of that stuff that was going on before he gets to this point. And it's all about how, how people are building their lives. And the, con- <coughs> the context of it is as well that he's talking about two gates. In, verse seven, or in chapter 7, verse 13 to 14, he said, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few enter into that. And only a few find, actually, is what it says. And it's talking about, it's talking about life in general. All right? and, and there is a common belief within many people I know that it doesn't matter what you are, who you are, or where you go. Once you kind of live a good life, you'll be grand. At the end of the day, shall we all end up in the same place anyway? That's the broad gate. That's the big wide one that anybody can wander along. And that's the gate Jesus is saying is the wrong one. He's saying, don't get deceived. In verse 15 to 23, he's talking about, do not be deceived. Don't get caught up. Don't just listen to every bit of rubbish that's thrown at you and think that it's the truth. Don't get caught up in the way things look. There will be loads of people out there who will look really convincing about what they're saying and how they say it. And it'll come across like it's really, like, oh God, we have everything. And this is the way forward. And it's rubbish. He talks about them as false prophets. And they don't necessarily have to be people who are out there and you think they're wacky. There's plenty of them within the Christian world. You only need to bring someone slightly off key or off the center. And before long, it will go. You know, if you were sailing, I'm not a sailor, so I don't know how to sail, but I know even driving... 
if you take a wrong turn. Do you ever take a wrong turn driving somewhere and then you think, I'll find my way back and you end up taking 25 more wrong turns and you end up three miles before you even started? Do you know that kind of thing? I know if you were sailing a ship from, from Dublin to, to Hollyhead, if they do something like only a half a degree, instead of landing in Hollyhead, by the time they get out into the middle of the sea, they'd be going for the Isle of Man. Do you know? And then if they keep going, they'll end up in Scotland. Like it only takes a tiny little bit to shift you off. And, and here's the point you need to know. I am capable of pushing you that tiny bit if you're not willing to go and check up on the stuff I say. I'm not infallible. I'm human. I have studied, I've learned, I've tried to do the best I can in what I try and tell you about. But at the end of the day, whenever we were in church, it was our responsibility, and it's yours, to go home and look up the Bible and see, does God really say what your man is talking about? And check it up. And if you're not doing that for yourself, you will easily be led astray. I have sat and listened to people preaching on the radio, talking on the TV, and sat down and read the Bible and go, that's, that's not what it says in my Bible. I don't know where he got that from, but it sounded very convincing. So there's something there about us having to be willing to not be deceived means we have to be willing to dig in and find out for ourselves what the truth is. We need to look at what's going on. We need to look at the philosophies that are out there because there's tons of them. There's tons of religions out there. There's a whole thing goes on says that Christianity is an exclusive religion and that we're intolerant and we're this and we're that and the other. Can I just tell you something? Every religion is exclusive. Christianity is not the only exclusive religion. Every one of them is. There's a guy called um, Rabbi Zacharias wrote a great book called Jesus Among Other Gods. And I just want to quote something he said. He said, we live in a time when sensitivities are at the surface, often vented with cutting words. Just look at Facebook. You'll see that. Philosophically, you can believe anything, as long as you don't claim that it's true. Morally, you can practice anything, as long as you don't claim that it's a better way. And religiously, you can hold to anything, so long as you do not bring Jesus Christ into it. If a spiritual idea is Eastern, it's granted critical immunity. But if it's Western, it's totally criticized. So a journalist can walk into a church service and mock whatever's going on in it. But he or she dare not do that if the ceremony is from the Eastern fold. Such is the mood of the times that we live in. And he goes on to say, a mood can be a dangerous state of mind because it can crush reason underneath it. And all religions are not the same. All religions do not point to God. All religions do not say that all religions are the same. At the heart of every religion is an uncompromising commitment to a particular way of defining who God is or is not, and accordingly of defining what our life's purpose is. You see, if we don't actually grasp what's going on all around us, we can easily get swung off into the wrong way. And, and I looked up like Hinduism, Buddhism, um, I have notes, you can have them, okay? Islam, Judaism, Scientology, Mormonism, Jehovah Witnesses. Every one of them. Do you know atheists are exclusive? You can't be an atheist if you believe in anything outside of this planet. If you believe in God was a spaceman. My favorite belief was Jesus must have been a spaceman. Okay? I couldn't be an atheist because I believed in something that was outside of the human experience. Everything has its own bit where it says, no, we are exclusive. 
the funny thing is that for all of them, if you want to become part of it, there is a huge amount of stuff you have to do. To become a follower of Jesus, all you have to do is say yes. It's probably the most inclusive of the exclusivity that's out there. If that can make any sense in the middle of all I'm trying to say. Jesus says, therefore, in verse 24, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, therefore, because there's only two ways. And because there's so many different things out there to deceive you, you need to be listening to me. That's what he's saying to them. And he was saying this 2,000 years ago when we didn't have half of the things I'm talking about now. And we didn't have the amount of information coming at people that we have now. See, the issue is, are we listening to Jesus or are we listening to someone else? That's the bottom line issue. Because your friends will tell you one thing. The TV will tell you another thing. Social media will tell you another thing. Politically correct people will tell you another thing. But Jesus will just tell you the same thing and it will be the truth. And it will be that he is the way. And even if you want to look it up in um, Matthew 17, in the transfiguration when he ended up on the top of the mountain, God the Father speaking to the, to the disciples who were up there with him said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. Listen to him. Because he knows what he's talking about. So you don't believe because it's Brian saying, don't believe because it's Brian saying, I'm just quoting what Jesus said. Listen to me. Stop getting sidetracked with all of that rubbish and building your house on the sands and build your house on the rock. And he's the rock. If you want to look at the parable itself, it's really good to just have a look and say, what was the things in it that were in common and what were the things that were different? Because there's three things that are in common for the two builders. There's a wise builder and a stupid builder. He calls them foolish. I'm going to call them stupid because I think only a moron would build a house like this on sand. All right? There's three things that were the same and then there's three things that were different. In James it says, do not merely listen to the word and deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the world but doesn't do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they'll be blessed in what they do. Now here's the thing. When, when we hear from Jesus, don't get caught up with all of that stuff. Follow this stuff. Don't be doing that. Do this. Don't be doing that. Do this. Don't be doing that. What he's doing is going, you do this way, you're going to build a house on rock. And you're going to have something that will last forever. You do it this way, and you're building a house on sand. And it's going to crash. And it's going to fall apart. Both men built. But both men build on two different foundations. Actually, can I just go back for a second? Do you like that house? I want to go there for my holidays. That looks cool, doesn't it? You just don't want to go sleepwalking. That might not be a good idea. But I was thinking when I saw that picture, I was thinking, that must be in one of them places. You know where they have hurricanes and typhoons and all that? Because them boys never get away with having everything. There's always some bad bit. But where is it built? It's built on a rock. Don't matter what comes against it, that thing ain't going down. Right? The picture on the left... 
was built where there was um, floods. There's a lake, God, I can't forget the name of the lake now. But there was a huge lake, there was a load of these houses built on filled in land, which means it wasn't built on rock. And then the dam, or the, the, the side of the lake broke, the river overflowed, side of the lake broke, and washed away hundreds and hundreds of houses. Because they were built on sand. These were mansions. They were wooden millions and millions and millions. And yet this guy can build a house on a rock in the middle of the ocean and it's still standing. Every one of us are building houses in which we're living. And I don't mean physical houses. I mean spiritual houses, emotional houses, financial houses, all of them things. Do you remember the financial crash? Who doesn't remember the financial crash? Yeah? Why did it crash? Because it was a house of cards built on sand, wasn't it? It was debt built on debt built on debt. Did you ever watch that movie, The Big Short? You should watch it. It explains greatly. These guys made a fortune out of the crash because they predicted it was going to happen. Because they were looking at what was going on in the subprime market in America. And they were going, people were selling debt and selling debt and selling debt. And everyone was making a fortune out of it, but no one was ever going to pay it. And then when it came time to pay, the whole thing just collapsed like a house of cards. And we all end up picking up the pieces for it. That's stuff built on sand. It's not built on rock. Every decision we make or don't make is creating the life that we're going to have to live. So what distinguishes the builders is the foundation. Okay? In, in San Francisco, um, in California, there is the Golden Gate Bridge. Yeah? There was a massive earthquake in San Francisco back in 1989. All right? And it wiped out thousands of people and a huge amount of stuff. The south pier of that bridge sits right on top of the San Andreas Fault. Right on top of it. That would make me really encouraged to be driving over that bridge. I just want to say, never been to California yet. But if I do, I think I'll be checking for to make sure there's not going to be an earthquake before I drive in the bridge. But here's the thing. Didn't shake an ounce during the earthquake. Why? Because it was built on a rock. All the houses that fell in it were built, and they were just built on filled-in land. They weren't built on rocks. Here's the thing. We're all going to have storms. Everyone's house is going to be hit with a storm. There's none of us going to not get a storm. There's none of us not going to get something coming against us. There's none of us not going to have the nice, easy life that just, like, we don't have any problems. The thing that I, like, maybe it didn't, I hope it didn't happen to you, but it happened to us when we became Christians back nearly 20 years ago. And, uh, and I thought once we became Christians, everything was going to be rosy. Just give your life to Jesus and everything would be great. It got worse. It was like, you know, when you get married and you go for happy and for worse and for better and for worse and for sickness and health and richer for poorer. Who got worse or sicker and poorer? Yeah, well, we all got married for better, richer and happier, didn't we? Yeah. But the reality of it is like, that was what it was like, kind of like coming to Jesus. It's going to be like, oh, you get the peace and you get, and you do get some of that, but you also get the hassle. It doesn't go away. In the middle of life, when my house was built on the rock, the rock stood and it held me up. And it didn't let me go. And that foundation lasted. And though everywhere else around me was shaken, there was something holding me that stopped me from shaking the same. But when I stepped off of that rock, 
and I started to put my trust in my bank account, or I started to put my trust in my job, or I started to put my trust in my friends, that all fell apart. It all fell apart. Because it doesn't matter who you are or where you are, that storm's coming. If you're not in the middle of it and you're not just coming out of one, you're heading for one. This is Ireland, it's going to rain. It's not going to not come. But it's where we are based and where we're planted will make all that difference. See, following Jesus doesn't keep us out of the storms. It just gives us a rock to get through them. I saw this um, photo many years ago. You probably, it's, it's not a great photo, it's not a great copy of it. This is a lighthouse in France in the middle of a storm. There is a video on YouTube, you can look it up, it's about five minutes. The lighthouse, I don't know how tall the lighthouse is, 80 or 100 feet high, the waves are hitting the top of it. It is scary looking, okay? What's fascinating about that picture, and you can't see it, is there is a man standing in the door there. All right? Why does a lighthouse in the middle of the sea, being hit by 80 foot waves, able to stand? Because it's built on a rock. And that rock isn't going to be moved by the water. It holds it. And that's where I want to come, I suppose, to an end with this, is to go, where is your foundation built? Where has your foundation been built? Are you building it on Jesus and what he says? Or are you not? And that's your choice. And if you don't, that's fine. It's totally up to you. But I want to tell you, if you do, you will experience life and real life. And if you don't, then the scripture tells us you will experience destruction. And let's be honest about it. Who of us hasn't had destruction in our life at some stage? There's a plastic bottle of water and a paper cup half full of coffee, which is now gone cold. Does neither of them are more capable of holding liquid than the other one. But what's really important is what they're on. So if we had a bunch of kids starting to run around here, that, shit, that table's fairly shaky. It wouldn't be fair from your imagination to think of a kid hitting off at that and the two of them landing on the ground. Sure, it wouldn't. But if I had both of them on them steps, the kids could run up and down by them as much as they want. As long as they don't actually hit them, the ground's not going to shake because the ground is solid. The table's not. Is your life on the steps or is it on the table? Are you experiencing life right now as being very shaky? As being, I don't know, unsure, insecure, full of worry, full of doubt, full of whatever? Then I want to suggest to you, where have you got your foundation? Because Christ tells us if our foundation is in him, we don't have to worry. We don't have to be anxious. I talked about this last week and the week before. You don't have to be. We talked about it in the Bible study the other night. You don't have to be anxious. You don't have to be caught up in all of that. See, a weak house built on a rock will stand even in the midst of a storm. But a strong house, even if it's built on sand, won't stand. It will fall. So, as I come to a close, there's a song on this slide that we used to sing a good few years ago on Hope. I'm going to let it play out. But I want to ask you, where are you built?
Where are you built on? Is it on the rock? Or is it on the sand? Is there security in God? Is there security in your partner, your friendship, your marriage, your job, your bank balance, the fact you have a nice house or a nice car or whatever? Is it built on your friends? Because you're more than all of that stuff. You were created for eternity to have fellowship and a relationship with God go on forever. And to have that, it's about... It's about stepping into that place and letting Jesus become the rock now. Not waiting until we die and then we have that relationship. It's about having it now. We can turn that up just a little bit for me. This song goes on for three or four minutes. I just want to ask you to listen to it. And while it's playing, I'm not going to ask you to come up for prayer and we're not going to pray with you. I'm going to ask you to do is between you and God sit for this next few minutes and go God is my foundation in you am I on the rock or am I did I used to be on the rock and now I'm not or I've got one foot on the rock and one foot on a fence where is it and just let him speak to your heart and if it's not on the rock I want to encourage it Ask him to bring you onto the rock. Invite him into them spaces in your life that he's not in. Because that rock won't move. It will hold you. And it will hold you for eternity. And when this is over, I'll come back and I'll pray for a few seconds.